Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Support for this episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting. Chirpy Bird helps clinicians earn their highest possible MIP score to maximize their Medicare reimbursements. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what makes them tick, how they overcome challenges, work they're proud of, advice they would give to other women in health IT, and much more. I'm Joy Rios. And I'm Robin Roberts. Today, we are talking with Bridget Borst, PR and marketing guru with A2U. Bridget's focus is on sharing the value of optimizing business solutions for physicians and hospitals. She's passionate about IT solutions her company offers and is talking about how her own trips to the doctor help her stay up to date and relevant in this space. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be part of the program. Um, I'll start, I guess, by saying I am not an IT guru. I don't have a background in coding or certainly don't know the first thing about robots. Uh, Some days I still feel like I'm trying to get a good handle on uh, just the acronyms in this industry. (laughs) But uh, a little background on me to add some context here for my role and viewpoint. I'm the Director of Marketing and Communications for ATU, so I spearhead our marketing strategy and all of its touch points around communication planning, messaging, social media, blogging, media relations website, um, and everything in between. Uh, Before I landed at ATU, just about two years ago, my story started as a television news reporter, and then I transitioned into PR and marketing about a decade ago. and I'm here at ATU, and a little about us. We are a national IT solutions provider, and we serve clients across a wide range of verticals, but we specialize in healthcare IT. And our shop is pretty much a one-stop shop for business-optimizing solutions. We do design and implementation to manage services and cloud consulting and integration. Um, and essentially, we go into hospitals, and other businesses and make sure their IT systems are running faster, more efficiently, and that these organizations are delivering the best end user experience as possible. Uh, I think a key aspect of my role here at ATU involves figuring out how to best articulate to CTOs and CIOs at hospitals 
how we solve pain points for clinicians and how we improve the patient experience through IT solutions. I think AT is doing some pretty exciting work to help drive transformation of healthcare. As you know, hospitals wrestle with uptime, and that's a critical component to clinician productivity and efficiency. And the challenge for hospital CTOs is to make sure that that data is secure at all times without compromising clinicians' time to productivity or ease of use. You know, and that's where we come in. Uh, we, we focus on decreasing the time it takes for a clinician to access a patient's record. So here's an example. Imagine that you're a doctor and you see a patient for 11 minutes on average. If you spend a minute or longer waiting to log in, that's 10% of your time just trying to access patient data. And so that's, that's really what we focus on, making sure that healthcare, you know, organizations, they have technologies that are optimizing, that they're not complicating clinicians' ability to provide faster, personalized, quality care. So, Bridget, when you talk about what you guys can do in improving that time, that's obviously a huge pain point for physicians and the end users, especially the clinical users supporting them, the administrative triage Mm -hmm. staff. What are some of the other problems you guys see in the hospitals you work with? You know, I think that productivity is a big one, right? And so hospitals want to also get processes streamlined. They want to increase efficiencies. They want to minimize operational costs. You know, in healthcare specifically, you know, when we talk about achieving decreased time to productivity uh, to improve business outcomes of the hospital, that can translate to more work-life balance for clinicians. That can translate to reduced wait times for medication delivery or scheduling. We're focused on helping hospitals deliver a faster, better care continuum experience. Do you guys ever take time to quantify any of the improvements you're able to make? We do. And so one of the ways that we quantify is kind of going back to that time to productivity. How long does it take a clinician to access a patient's record? And so that, that is some of the, the ways that we quantify that work is, is, is um, you know, how, how fast are they, they getting to, to that record? That makes sense. Are there other ways that you can, or that you think that maybe healthcare can take some cues or, you know, some of the pages from the way the retail industry has worked? Absolutely. I, I think there's no surprise here that uh, the industry as a whole needs to get more focused on personalization. You look at companies like FedEx, for example. FedEx customers can nickname shipments. They can create a personal watch list. Uh, I think consumers want to know that you as the company organization know their name. You know their history. You understand what they care about. They don't want to feel like another number. So I think, you know, from smiles to systems, patients want to feel special at every touch point of the experience. Uh, they want that, uh, that same level of personalization, if you will, in healthcare that they've been receiving in other industries. I think, you know, another page that healthcare can take from some of those, those retail folks is just delivering fast experience here, kind of going back to that time to productivity. You know, the average wait time, I think it was, I had read in something a few weeks ago, was that it takes about 20-some days 
to get in to see your doctor. Like that's the average wait time. And I think that we're living in the era of the consumer. Um, that's just unacceptable. That hurry up and wait no longer makes for an acceptable visit to the doctor's office. I don't think healthcare can afford to lag behind in technology because patients now more than ever have, have options. Times have changed. So I think that you know, America's favorite brands, the FedExes, the Amazons, uh, Disney, these are retailers that are getting the consumer experience right. And while the healthcare industry has made some tremendous strides to improve the patient experience, I still think that there's a lot that we can learn from retail. Yeah, and it would be interesting, too, because, you know, when you, when you think about FedEx or Amazon, those are such large corporations. And even though a hospital or a hospital system can be large, they don't necessarily have the same um, either bandwidth or reach as one of those types of companies. So the key word interoperability comes in, you know, pretty where like what systems are talking to each other. And if you're getting a smile from a Absolutely. patient in, in one hospital, is it, is it following them to the, to the doctor's office or, mm-hmm. you know, follow-up care sort of thing. What um, mm-hmm. interaction or how often do you get into that whole interoperability conversation? Yeah, right. a, a couple good points here. Um, I think that consistency across the board is key, um, especially when we're talking about patient data. I mean, we're, we're seeing when we go into patients, or when we go into hospitals, we're seeing an inconsistent range of time to productivity based on different locations. Maybe you make up the same healthcare organization, but you have you know different clinics and in, in different types of areas. Maybe you're trying to access that data, you know, at different points during the day. And those are those are all things, right, that kind of go into developing an IP strategy tailored per the organization that makes sense. So that we're you know, making sure that we are optimizing those business workflows. You know, our, our strategy is, um, you know, we just make sure that we keep that endpoint design simple and manageable. And one way that we've been able to do that is single image management um, and having one endpoint image that all endpoints utilize. So non-Windows-based thin clients, such as iGel technology, you know, that's technology that runs a centralized virtualized desktop. That's one piece of getting the right technology and healthcare systems in place. And Pravada, it's another technology solution that we use to ensure that healthcare systems, you know, are improving um, that patient experience. Um, lots of kind of different parts. You know, we work with over 20 partners. I mentioned iGel, uh, Citrix, Cisco, Microsoft. We work with a lot of different um, partners to develop a tailored strategy per health system um, and and really kind of hard focused on redirecting the attention from the computer screen back to the patients. You know, that was one of the questions I had for you is how are you accomplishing this, right? Because Mm -hmm. even some of the largest EMRs are running cloud-based systems or you're dealing with hardware constraints and, you know, the the capital investments people are willing to make in some of these things. So Mm -hmm. it's unique to hear about how you guys are really hybriding the best in breed to help meet some of these needs. Mm -hmm. Bridget, let me ask you a question. When sure. you, you say, you know, you don't know about robots, you don't really have an IT background. <laughs> when 
how do you see yourself connecting the dots of kind of your professional history to where you are now? And how does that how does that color your perspective, whether it's, you know, personally as a consumer or just that professional mm-hmm. path that's brought you to where you are? You know, I have always gravitated towards innovation and, and challenge. And as you two ladies are well aware, uh, healthcare IT certainly provides that. <laughs> so there was the appeal, the draw for me kind of to, to pursue this career path. I can say kind of how do I connect the dots? I mean, much of this is kind of, you know, technical, um, you know, some of these, these strategies that we're, we're implementing much uh, kind of further out of my wheelhouse. But, you know, I've actually tried to apply my personal trips to the doctor, you know, to some of the work that we do here at the firm. I, I pay attention to wait times. I pay attention to the devices the clinicians are using, how they're accessing my record, you know, how fast it takes them to get a glimpse at my, my history. Um, I take all of that in, you know, during start to finish, you know, as the patient. And I use sometimes that firsthand experience as insight to write stronger blog posts to help me write case studies and other marketing collateral. It it just helps me kind of stay relevant and uh, makes it real for me. That's one thing I do love about the healthcare healthcare industry in general, just in the sense that like, one, it's so broad and wide. I feel like it's it's an industry you can never get bored in. And it's one that's personal to all of us. So, you know, at some point or another, you know, we're all going to be finding ourselves in a doc in a doctor's office. So it's nice to be able to apply our work life to our home life and vice versa. But Robin, go ahead. What were you about to say? Tell us more about your writing and your blogging, both that you said mm-hmm. the blogs and the case studies. So I you know, I think that it's a it's a combination of kind of different sources. I mean I obviously lean very hard on our subject matter experts, our engineers, our support analysts. Um, our, our folks who have been movers and shakers in this industry for far longer than I have. So that's kind of one, um, you know, resource, if you will, that, that I really channel as I'm writing case studies and different marketing collateral. But, you know, to my earlier point, sometimes it's just kind of common sense basics. Um, you know, I, I can kind of use uh, my personal experience going to, to the dentist or, you know, going to my family practitioner, you know, and just kind of sitting in the waiting room firsthand. And what is that interaction like? And what is that experience like as I walk up to the touch screen and I log in and, you know, then I'm asked to, to go back to, to the, the room, right, with the doctor. And um, how much history does he have of mine at his fingertips? And how long does it, you know, take him or her to, to access that data, right? So um, in, in terms of doing my job and doing it well, I think that, you know, I gain insight from a lot of different ways. Um, but that's certainly one of them, though, just kind of gleaning from personal experience as the patient. I love that. And that's one of the reasons we started the the podcast was to talk to other people that are, you know, smart, great at what they do and working in spaces that, you know, we may be acquainted with, but certainly not as familiar or as expert as, as these other folks out there being such a vast arena of healthcare. You know, I think that one thing and this, I'm kind of, you know, jumping around here because we've talked about a lot of different points. But one point that I did want to make earlier is I think that people sometimes don't understand fully the impact 
of broken IT systems and clunky machines, especially in the hospital, when we're talking about logging in in the waiting room or when they're sitting in the chair or they're trying to schedule an appointment or, you know, get medication delivered. I do think that, you know, as we talk about the industry and where it is and how it's transforming, and when it comes to IT, um, I think that that's, that that's one kind of point is that we got to close the gap between IT and the business. And one of the ways that we do that, in addition to kind of uh, putting together a strategy that's tailored for organization, is getting out of the ivory tower. That's what our CEO <laughs> likes to say. And what he means by that is, you know, we can't create the best possible healthcare experience and leverage IT, you know, to, to its full capability until we talk to clinicians until we're patient focused, you know, we need to walk in the shoes of doctors and nurses and really understand the clinical workflow in order to to be able to simplify that and and make, you know, those those efficiencies better better and and, and processes streamlined and so forth. Let me ask a specific question. You said walk in the nurse's shoes. Every Mm -hmm. hospital out there is trying to do more with less, meaning nursing caseloads are just Mm-hmm. They're ridiculous. The patient mm-hmm. to staff ratio, this is a huge pain point. Mm-hmm. Do you think that your solutions, the inefficiencies that you guys are able to promote, I mean, kind of going to be devil's advocate for a minute, is it mm-hmm. such that the folks in the ivory tower, to use your word, see this as a way to just continue to do more with less? Do you see that technology, even in a very efficient way, maybe also being a burden when we talk about all these different systems and all that there is to do in a day? You know, I I think that when we talk about kind of the digital transformation and EHRs and kind of moving in that direction, um, you know, that gets a bad rap sometimes, especially in healthcare, because it's this technology is supposed to, you know, be designed to um, make things better, right? Improve the patient experience. But when technology is lagging and, and clinicians have trouble logging in or, you know, it's, it's too complicated of a process, it's not simplified, um, then that's where it, it gets kind of a bad rap. And so we really try to um, optimize, right? Not complicate clinicians' ability to provide that faster personalized quality care. And one of the ways we do that is, to get out of the ivory tower and, 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 you know, how and why is that done? You know, I think that we tend to design technology primarily, uh, we sit behind computer screens all day. When I say we, you know, I'm talking about the IT professionals representing the technical folks here at our shop. We sit behind computer screens all day, creating systems and tools from an informed technical perspective, um, aiming to theoretically improve patient care, yet sometimes we lack the true knowledge of what a day in the life looks like. For a clinician, and I think that's what we're trying to do differently at ATU is really kind of shift the paradigm from idealistic to realistic by shaping technology, you know, IT solutions and IT plan with the end user, primarily the clinician in mind. So that's what I mean, you know, when I say, you know, really striving to walk in the shoes of doctors and nurses so that we can make smart recommendations around design and implementation. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I've been thinking as you're talking about 
certified EHR technology, and in 2019, there's this new requirement for clinicians that they have to have what's known as the 2015 edition. Does that mean anything to you? And on the hospital side of things, it's ultimately an upgrade in what the EHR technology is capable of doing. So, you know, just written into the certification standards is more Mm -hmm. capability to be able to communicate with other providers and other settings of care as well as patients and, you know, um, with APIs and, and just really like, how is that hitting your world? And I guess kind of as a sub question, I keep thinking, and this is kind of even outside of healthcare, I'm looking at my phone and thinking, it's this this constant need to upgrade and this, you know, Mm -hmm. um, ongoing cultural experience that, you know, you're always, you're going to be behind the times if you don't always have the latest and the greatest. And it makes Mm -hmm. me empathize for this clinicians who are either, you know, cash strapped or they're not early adopters, but then find themselves completely late adopters or left behind. And, And I know that's kind of a big bubble or, you know, word cloud of a question, but I just, in, mm-hmm. in thinking about the context of how quickly technology is changing, can you speak Absolutely. at all about like how hard it may be for folks to actually keep up? Right, like me, especially someone who's new-ish, right, to this industry and just, uh, you know, and others in general. Yeah, I think that, you know, this is such an evolving industry and there is so much to learn and stay on top of. You know, I won't pretend to be an expert on certifications or, you know, different regulation or anything. But what what I can offer is that there's opportunity there. Uh, there's challenge there. I think that programs like yours, this podcast, um, and publications like Digital Health Today and Health IT News and HIMSS, those are publications that I think of getting front, in front of industry conversations and they're sharing insight um, and, and value for professionals that work in the industry. I think that is one way to try to keep up with with the new trends and, and um, all that there is to learn in this very fast-paced, <laughs> evolving industry that we call Help IT. I'll agree with you. I feel like, you know, there's, Robin and I are subject matter experts in our area, but there's still so much to learn in so many other spaces. And I feel like that's one of the Mm -hmm. benefits of having these types of conversations of like, I'll share with you my side if you share with me yours. Because I think the only way really for us all to move forward and really gain traction is is to continue learning from each other. And not only just continuing our own education and making sure we're good at whatever our specialty is, but being open and available to learn from everyone else's expertise. Really, we got to put all the pieces together, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I was just kind of thinking here as as you were talking, Joy, about all that there is to learn and whether you're an SEM in a particular uh, field in in health IT or just kind of starting out. you know, advice that I would have in particular for women starting out in IT or in health IT specifically, you know, I, I think the industry is waking up to the value of women in tech. I think times are changing. I think that, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Ask questions. Find mentors in this industry. Uh, to your point, it's, it's, it's very much evolving. 
lots of publications and great programs out there like Hit Like a Girl podcast, right, that these folks can lean on. And I think that, you know, people should make time to sharpen their soul, especially folks who are um, women in particular who are entering tech. I mean, there's a lot to learn and, you know, it can be overwhelming, you know, and, and, and I can say that kind of being two-ish years into this industry. So um, lots of great opportunity there and definitely lots of great resources to help women advance in this industry and keep their finger on the pulse of what's happening. Yeah, I like how you said earlier, you're still acquainting yourself with the acronyms. And even, you know, Joey and I live in a small lifetime in this space, we run up against things and I'll look at her and she looks at me and we go, what's that? And sometimes we both sit there and go, neither one of us know. And so we're trying to uh, Google it in a professional manner and find out which way is up and down and what it, how it relates to what we're doing. Um, All right, here's a fun question. Do you have a lady boss crush out there anybody in particular <laughs> you know I, I truly believe that ATU is winning the IT game because this company is smart enough to put women in the driver's seat uh, we, we've earned a, a top spot on CRN's next gen 250 list the past two years we've been named to Inc magazine's 5000 list uh, a Citrix to Nigel platinum partner as I mentioned We've been the fastest growing technology company in Pittsburgh for two years. And I don't think that happens by accident. I think uh, our female leaders have been a huge part of that success story. So I guess, you know, to your earlier question about who's getting it right and who do I admire, I mean, I guess I would look internally um, in a lot of ways uh, because empowering women is part of the fabric of our culture. I'm really proud of that. I mean, we have had women in uh, leadership positions at ATU and in STEM positions, ranging from engineers and support analysts, director of ITs, vice president of operations, business managers, and so forth. Um, you know, I, I'm the director of marketing and communications. I'm a department head, and I serve on ATU's leadership team. So I think that I have the true privilege of working alongside smart, fierce, talented women in this industry, not only who represent different partners and who are mentors of mine, but actual colleagues, you know, here at ATU. You know, I love that, you know, we're able to kind of connect the dots as we go and time evolves. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear you say her, but also to hear about how internally you feel like female leaders are being empowered to help be part of, you know, the, the game changing that your company is doing and, you know, security efficiencies and really trying to improve experiences for both end users and patients. Well, thank you. I have appreciated kind of the, the opportunity today to, to tell our story and, and to tell my story and kind of how I um, stumbled upon this career path. I am excited and uh, to be in this, in this field and think that it's, it's challenging, but it's exciting. And there's, uh, this is a wonderful time to, to be a woman and to be in health IT, in my opinion. I agree with you. So thank you so much for taking the time with us today. But if there is anywhere that people are looking for you online, where would they find you? Sure. So I am on LinkedIn at Bridget Borst Ombres. And I am also on Twitter at Bridget Borst. And if anyone is interested in shooting me a note, uh, my email address is Bridget at A2U. 
And if anyone wants to find out more about your company's solutions, where's the best place to look for that? Yeah, so they can head on over to our website, um, and that is atu.net, and we are also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Well, thank you, Bridget. And thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us or this guest, check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle hitlikeagirlpod. Thanks again. See you soon. Thank you to Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting for sponsoring this episode. You can find out more about Chirpy Bird at www.chirpybirdllc.com.